This podcast is brought to you by the first ever Boulderthon. Um, after years in the making, run in the inaugural race series with a half marathon and a full marathon with an epic finish downtown on Pearl Street. Boulderthon will have a post-race party on the bricks with live music, a beer garden, and VIP recovery massages. Limited spots available for our first year. Sign up with code TP20 and save $20 for a limited time. And will we see you racing? Uh, hopefully, yeah. Fingers crossed. Do you know what distance you're going to want to do? I'm not sure yet. I haven't decided. There's a half marathon, full marathon. It's the first one, which just gets me so hyped. Yeah. Like, just being, just knowing that it's happening. I'm excited. Events around Boulder are always really exciting, so I'm really excited to see the, the turnout. Who comes out. Yeah, the spectators. Yeah. yeah. Sign up now. TP20. Hello, and welcome to FTP for Triathlon People. I'm Morgan. I'm Cameron. We're here with Oaks, who's demolishing a bone. Yeah. <laughs> Matt and Paige. It is officially daylight savings time. Yeah. So the sun is just setting. Yeah. Which is really, it's after setting after seven o'clock here, which is really nice. Dreamy. Here in Gobo, Boulder, Colorado. And we had some really nice weather this weekend too. Yeah. Some super nice weather. Which made me feel like it's going to be spring any minute now, but if we know Boulder weather... We know it won't be. <laughs> I know. I was talking to some of my patients this last week, and I was like, it's super going to be super nice. And everybody's like, yeah, but it's probably going to snow here in like another two weeks. Someone said that um, March and April are like the snowiest months. I and know. I was like, I really find that hard to believe. Paige is nodding. <laughs> I know. It's kind of terrifying. I mean, they got snow here before we came here in May last year. Mm-hmm. Scary. But at least it will melt quickly. Yeah, that's what everybody was saying. It's like, like next day, 80 degrees. Yeah. Boulder, at least in our observe, what is it, observation, mm-hmm. has been terrible at pl- plowing the roads. <laughs> they just like have this belief. It's even like on their website that like they don't plow roads. They just believe that the sun will melt it. And Which like, is true when the sun comes out. Yeah, but if you get like four straight days of snow and then like you can't even get out of your house. The too pools much snow. are closed. You can't run outside. <sighs> yeah. But anyway, Anyways. we are a triathlon podcast. Yeah. So we should talk about triathlon. Yeah. You want to go through our week since we last checked in? Yeah. We last checked in on last Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Since it was a delayed podcast. Well, I mean, things have been heating up. What does that for mean? Us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to say it. Um, I am... Um, officially finished with taper week. Oh, that's what happened. Taper week. And I said, it's tech week and it's hell week. It wasn't as bad as I remember it being. Maybe I'm in fantastic shape right now. Good. Yeah. Feeling good. Yeah. Um, we went out for a long ride on Saturday. Yeah. Cause the weather was so nice. We went up left hand Canyon. Finally. Anybody who's familiar with Boulder, there's a like famous climb here that goes all the way from like Boulder all the way up to Ward. And then up to Brainerd Lake, yeah. which is at, like, what, 10,000 feet or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, Dave Ripley, our most recent guest, said it was his favorite ride. Yeah, it's literally just nonstop climbing the entire way. And it's fun. It, like, starts out on a real gradual, like, nice climb. Mm-hmm. And then it gets, like, a little bit worse and worse. And there's, like, a yeah, few I could, sections. like, almost be down an arrow in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, you definitely can. And then there's, like, a couple more, f- like, flat-ish sections of, like, you can be down an arrow. 
and then there's like a few punchy ish sections where like you have to grind and then about like like a half mile from ward from ward you turn this corner around this like giant rock Ugh. and it, like just is like your last sign of turning around <laughs> and i walked my bike the first time we rode it oh my it. gosh i'm in my <laughs> lowest gear and i am standing and just like grinding it's at. like 50 rpm and you're pushing oh, yeah. like 400 watts oh yeah i literally <laughs> am and i'm like just grinding like beating sweat yesterday i think my heart was up at like 175 or something but it feels good it when you like make it to ward and you're like i did it i know because then you finally that goes on for like literally like a half mile mm-hmm. of just pain and then you come to this little water spigot up there just oh. so nice the water there is like super cold and super fresh probably has coronavirus in it but no it's not waterborne yeah you're right don't scare our listeners and then you get finally get into the little village of ward population i don't even know five <laughs> literally <laughs> and oh my gosh i just got my driver's license and let me tell you i look like i'm from ward no you picture. look like you're from ned from <laughs> netherland they made me put my hair behind my shoulders and it totally threw me off i had like looked at myself in like the selfie cam and i was like okay i look good practice my little grin smile thing no teeth smile and then she was like can you put your hair behind your shoulders and i was like <gasps> And I did it. And then I looked at the picture. And I'm like barely. I like have a half smile. <laughs> like <laughs> one yeah. half. Yeah. It's real bad. It's pretty bad. But it's okay because no one cares what your license picture looks like. Yeah. Despite what folks think when you're 16. But anyway, sorry. And then you keep climbing and then finally get to this little convenience store. Which is, everything's Ward. like marked up 305%. Oh, it's so Because it's the only place you can buy like a Coke. Any, or co- <laughs> you get like a Coke, a Cliff Bar. I think a Cliff Bar is like literally $5 up there. And every time we go in, there are these like kids running it. Oh, yeah. Of Lit- course, they have like, like a like adult supervision, but they're like, oh, Literally like be- five-year-old <laughs> children. Um, but we did that. We had a ride outside. Yeah. Got to descend, which I was a little shaky at first. Me, I've been, sh- I was shaky the whole time. But then you lost yeah. a lot of confidence there. I think we'll have to build that back up. Yeah. Thankfully, I don't think there's any races on the calendar this year that are like uh, crazy hilly, crazy descending down a mountain like with nice. blind turns <laughs> in like Nice. Yeah. But New Zealand, I don't was know what the, hilly. I don't know what the course is going to look like in New Zealand yet. I mean, but looking at, I think it's the. I think it might be the same course as seventy point three New Zealand, which yeah. went off on Saturday. Um, but yeah, and then I guess after the ride yesterday, I was like dead. Mm-hmm. I did not nutrition well. Me I either. Think. I texted Nick and I was like, I didn't fuel well. Parentheses read. I didn't fuel. And then I was like, I bonked right before my T run. Oh, that's vocab. Bonk. Define it. Uh, it's basically like when your body runs out of energy. Because you're not eating you're, well. Yeah, it typically happens on like longer workouts and like you basically feel like you're going to pass out. Or, I mean, with me, it's not as much of a pass out feeling as it's just like I can't, I'm like trying so hard to like push more power or run faster or longer and I just like can't make my body move. Interesting. I've never felt the like pass out. I was always like I'm going to pass out and I get really like cold sweats Mm -hmm. and like my like peripheral appendages, (laughs) like my hands and feet start getting really tingly. And like cold. Yeah, and like, you know that feeling like when your foot falls asleep? That's what it sort of feels like, I think. Interesting. But yeah, yesterday I got home and like took off all of my cycling kit stuff and like sat down at the table and poured like a glass of juice. And I like literally thought I was going to pass out there. 
I know. I asked you if you wanted to go on a walk. Yeah, you I said, said no. Um, <laughs> we didn't. We had just had breakfast before that, and we went riding at one. Yeah. And then it was a three-hour workout. Yeah. Which we should have like we're, you're supposed to fuel anything over an hour. Oh. Is like good rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. But we didn't. Yeah. We made a mistake. Um. Anyway. But yeah, I think mine was half because my workout was so hard and I was climbing mm-hmm. and it was really warm. And I climbed all the way up to like 9,000 feet. Which and then you descended, which I don't like that being the the shakiness of it, like the lack of the losing confidence and then throwing yourself down at 40 miles an hour. Yeah. Is like scary after a winter of no riding outside. Yeah. It's crazy to the difference in temperature because like down at the in Boulder, it was like 60s, high 60s, low 70s probably. Mm-hmm. And up at the top, it was like parts 70. where- what my Garmin said it got up to a peak of seventy up top for me, on the mountain. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm talking about it got really cold. Oh. Up near Ward, there were some patches. Oh, that in like, the shade. Oh my gosh, it was yeah. like it felt like it was like thirty degrees again. I had like goosebumps and everything. And you were sweating beforehand, so you were like wet. I know because oh like, my gosh, and the roads were so wet. I know the roads were super wet, and our bikes are all dirty. Gross. I need to clean them, and we got to clean yours before Puerto Rico too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then today we had a, a run. run. That was your longest run outside, I think, yeah. since the injury, right? Yeah, my calves are destroyed again. <laughs> it felt good. <laughs> I finally got made it far enough to get to the dirt trails, which was nice. Yeah. Yeah, and then we had a long, hard swim. It was hard, huh? Yeah. Four rounds of 800s. Yeah, literally in the pool today, it was us taking up a lane and then literally like the entire <laughs> 10 man elite team aqua jogging well i mean they're they've got to be like in recovery mode right now they all had like huge marathons yeah huge races or they're all preparing for uh like outdoor track, track champs season. yeah because yeah. it's gonna, about to be like olympic qualifiers for the track here sh- shortly if tokyo even goes on <laughs> Da-da-da. but anyways <laughs> That's yeah, about it. and then this upcoming week is race week, which yeah. um, we'll talk a little bit more about next episode. Next episode, I think yeah. it, this one is going to air. No, oh, it'll later. Be, I don't know. Puerto Rico is going to air Thursday, and then this episode will air next Thursday. Uh, We're doing this one like really early. Oh, okay. I'm confused. Anyways, <laughs> last podcast thing. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, yeah race week we try to do the same thing every or nick tries to schedule very similar schedule very similar like training of, mm-hmm, training yeah. plan so we always have a like race, a swim time trial which i always hate yeah it's always really it gives painful. me a lot of anxiety yeah um I don't we'll know do what race, week sprints, race week sprints every week it's we like pretty easy week. stuff and there's like a race week brick too Eh, I don't know. Yeah, just stuff really to like get your body in the z- like in the zone. Mm-hmm. Make sure that it's still firing, but you're not tiring out more. It's more of just for recovery and like make sure your muscles don't die on you. Yep, precisely. Yeah, and I always make sure this week you should eat whenever you're hungry. Yeah. Oh yeah, we did talk about that in our nutrition episode. Yeah. Eat when you're hungry. Yeah, because you're about. I always feel like a fat loaf during taper week, but 
I don't know. It's probably because I'm not training that much, but I'm like my body's still hungry. It's probably because I'm recovering from all the hard work from like the weeks last before. Two weeks, yeah. 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 But anyways, um, next segment. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So not a lot on the slate today, but we wanted to talk about Ironman New Zealand. Um, takes place in, say it. We figured out the pronunciation. Topaw. Topaw, yes. That's what I said it was it is the other episode, but I'm okay with saying Taupo because that's how it looks. Yeah, I'm going to keep saying Taupo. I prefer Taupo too, the way it sounds. Topaw. Topaw, I have to think about it every that time. That is so not intuitive. I know. Anyways. Unfortunately, we're not linguists. Yeah. Anyways, um, this is the first race on Iron Man now. That Iron Man broadcasted. They did a great job. So, a better job, rather, not I will fantastic. say, I, I agree with Morgan. I think that this was, I mean, we even talked about it throughout. We were like, the coverage for this race, they've really stepped it up from the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Because they were actually, like, making it look like a race for the first time ever. Where, like, they weren't just focusing on the lead male and lead female. They would, like, bounce back and forth between... Lead male, like third place male, fourth place male, second place male, and like give you all the splits and the rundown and everything. And I don't know. I thought the covers were pretty good this time. Me too. And they also were talking about people in a much more measured way. You think? I think, yeah. I was, I'm always frustrated when they choose favorites. And, and Danielle Arif, well, even if she's like has a broken <laughs> leg hanging off, and they're like, wow, she looks so strong. Yeah, but I just mean in general, like Cam Brown. Was oh, yeah. the male commentators? I feel like that's never mind. Was well, the, the male commentators' fave? Yeah, but he was he's like, "Oh, I really event. want him to win." Yeah, but he's won the event twelve times, and he—I think he's like forty-three or something crazy. He's very no, old. I know, and I'm not trying to take his greatness away from him. I just hate when they're like, "Wow, I really hope Cam can like catch up to them." I just want them to be impartial. Just yeah. like tell me what's going on. Um, apparently Jocelyn was, Macaulay mm-hmm, was sick. She had hand, foot, mouth, or is that Rod? No, that's Rodka. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. So like the favorites going into it, Jocelyn, Macaulay and Rodka, did they both drop? Yes. Are you sure that Jocelyn? I don't know that Jocelyn did. No, Sorry, I think I you're right. Look. I'm pretty sure Jocelyn did too. After the bike. Rodka. Jocelyn was yelling at the spotters apparently that she was sick because they care apparently. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was weird. I just don't appreciate the sass from anyone. But um, Rodka, I think it's Kalfelt, Kalefelt. I don't know. You have a big crush on her. You should know how to say her last name. Anyways, (laughs) um, she dropped out after the swim. I guess she has hand, foot, and mouth from her child. God, kids are so gross, man. Don't have children. No, No, I'm just kidding. No, speaking of children, I want to just quickly shout out hashtag Levi the Great. Hey. Our favorite child. Well, one of three Whoa. favorite children. Um, and Levi is a big fan of the pod. So we want to shout Levi out really quickly. All right. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, Jocelyn McCauley dropped out after the bike in yeah. T2. Um, and then the run I thought was super exciting. It was really – the run was kind of interesting. It was, like, all in, like, residential neighborhoods on, like, sidewalks. It was just, like, through suburbia. It was so strange. Yeah, it was strange. I wonder but, if world's – I wonder if the world's course will be the same because that would be I doubt. Typically, they always change the world's course from the, the like, yearly course. Probably just to, like – To make it more difficult and to, like, accommodate more people out on the course. 
I don't know. It was also really interesting because they ran a 70.3 race for the age groupers mm-hmm. at the same time as the Ironman. And, like, the 70.3 racers were going off at the – what? They went off before the full distance went off. Um, so it was kind of interesting watching all of the pros passing the, like, people age way Age groupers in the doing back. half of yeah. the same thing. Yeah. But Even I'm pretty on the sure, bike, they were passing them. Yeah, but I thought the bike was like two loops, and I think the run was three loops. So okay, I can see how it could get congested out there. But it looks really pretty. So hopefully. and our girl Meredith Kessler. Yeah, she crushed it. Anyways, for the results, we'll do the women. First was Teresa Adam, um, and I don't know. I'm just gonna say I don't know how I have not heard of her before mm-hmm. because she won Ironman Cans Asia Pacific Championships in 2018 and 19 right yeah 2018 and 19 and then she also won Ironman Bustleton right Buso she won that one and now she's won New Zealand as well yeah so like she's a heavy hitter and like and she led the whole race in Buso I think and also New Zealand yeah yeah well, at the end of the wire. race yeah he, the um Mike Riley was like how did it feel to lead the race the whole time and she was like well I've done, I've done it, it before, <laughs> yeah. but it, it definitely is anxiety-inducing. Yeah, but she led the entire race, which is really cool. Uh, Meredith Kessler got Crushed second. it. Very proud of her. What, Meredith? Yes. Yeah. I just am a big Meredith Kessler fan. Ever since we cheered her on in Boulder? Yeah, she was just so nice. sweet. Yeah. And uh, she's just, like, such a grinder. She's such a hard worker. Yeah. And, and she then, had a great run, too, definitely. And then... S- third place wow it's not giving me her full name jc vaquera i forget what her name was wow anyways if you anybody out there has her full name shout us out um on the men's side i thought the men's side was really really kind of fun to watch um joe skipper won the race um he had a blistering fast marathon time 243 he had a blistering fast overall time i know he broke the course record 754 um and apparently he was like saying that every time that he's been beaten here i think he's had like two or three runner-ups right here mm-hmm. um that somebody's had to take the court somebody had to take the course record in order to beat him basically so he finally won and brought home the course record and after the race it was like cr- crazy emotional the the haka mm-hmm. yeah he was like crying during the for haka. both of them too. for both male yeah. and female winners who was crying during the i haka. think it's really intense yeah like watching it through the computer was intense but i can only imagine like having Live. it like being you yourself being honored individually in front of all and people. personally yeah. yeah it just feels and after like both of them winning the race he yeah. had a pr that was really exciting um or course record. Yeah. Um, Mike Phillips got second time at 801, and he was the winner from last year. And then your guy Braden Curry got <sighs> third. I love Braden. He had a good run to put, push him into third place, but it wasn't enough to hold off the top two or to beat the top two. Um, but all three of the men after the race looked absolutely, like, destroyed. They could like hardly even get up onto the podium. They just and while they were standing there, their faces were just like yeah. None of them had totally any emotion straight. on their face. Not, not a single one. It was crazy. I mean, they. It was a hot day, right? I don't know. I don't think. I think it was like ideal conditions. I thought oh. the water was like perfectly wetsuit, and the air was like fifties and sixties. Well, all right then. They just left it all out there. Yeah, it was a really good day. 
what about age groupers? I don't know. Any I like? Any well, you want to just look? Yeah, see if there's anything I don't exciting think so. on either end. I don't think I recognize any of the. I did recognize um, the seventeen point three overall male winner, Dan Plews. Okay, that's I know that's Taryn's coach. Oh, he went four oh four. That's a fantastic time. Four, I know four oh four is really fast. And then I think he's a couple of pro athletes coach as well. Somebody else is po- posting about him. Was it Terenzo's coach? He's also Terenzo's coach. I think so. I huh. thought it might have been Terenzo Bazone. I don't know. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say. All right. I mean, yeah. I'm excited to see how the course changes then for worlds. I know. I, I, I have no idea. And how the weather will change too. Yeah. Cause it'll be the exact opposite. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, next segment. We okay. wanted to talk about how to qualify for worlds. Yeah. For let's talk about all three. There's like five. Yeah. But let's talk about, well, do you want to talk about all five then? Yeah. I'm we'll just... talk about a bunch, all of them, I guess. All right. G- take it away. Okay. So I can only speak to what I know <laughs> in terms of like the U S in, in terms of like ITU U S mm-hmm. stuff, if that makes sense, like USAT qualifications. So, for sprint and Olympic distance, we'll just start at the lowest. We'll start at sprint distance triathlons. Um, basically, man, Oakley, if you guys were here watching this, Oakley is destroying this bone. I took a picture of it. We'll post it on the Insta. Yeah. Going to town. He's loving it. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so for USAT sprint distance, um, you do not have to qualify for the USAT sprint distance national championships. You just need to register. Okay. So... It like changes year by year, but I think currently it's in Milwaukee next year. It was in Milwaukee, then it went to Omaha, which Omaha was awful, and then it went to Cleveland. I heard good things about Cleveland, and then it went, it's now back in Milwaukee. And Milwaukee was always amazing, but um, yeah. So you go to the wherever it's hosted, and you run your race. And as far as I'm aware. Now, it's different for from draft legal and non-draft legal. I can only speak to the non-draft legal races. Um, I think it was the top 18 get an automatic slot to go to the world championships for a sprint distance. And it's really funky because you have to sort of take into account what age you'll be at, like, th- next year's Worlds, I'm pretty sure. It was so. It was just always so weird because you could place, like, say, I forget what year it was, but I was like, I placed 20th place in the Olympic distance triathlon and national championships, but that was, like, in that 20 to 24 age group, okay? And then in terms of world slots, you, like, didn't count the 24-year-olds because they would age up in the 25 to 29 age category for world slots. So then I was actually, like... I, I, 10th. Like 10th or something yeah. weird. So then I got a slot. But for whatever reason, I remember it being like, I think it was the top 18 after that age up rule, get an automatic slot or they can take the automatic slot. And then I'm pretty sure it goes down to 24th at the event that can like sign up or like it roll down. And then after that, um, then it basically like goes to like an email roll down and USAT just starts to email finisher by finisher to say, do you want to go? Do you want to go? Yada, yada. We have a slot. Do you want to go? It's really weird because it can take place like six months after the actual race. That doesn't seem like the best way to do things. I know. It's kind of weird, but 
not everybody goes to the award ceremony. So, anyways, that's that. And I'm pretty sure it is a top 18, but it, correct me if I'm wrong. It's, uh, from, for whatever reason, I have 18 and 24. So I don't know how many slots there actually are for Worlds. But then, again, you get to qualify for World Champs, and those always also rotate. Like, I think it's been in, like, the Gold Coast. I've done it in Chicago, Cozumel. It follows the same, like, Weren't they in Spain last year? The long course one was. Okay. Long course World Champs. Um, anyways. So that's Sprint. That's Sprint. You basically just have to You go register. and then you place highly at USAT National Champs. Which you just register for. You don't qualify yeah, for that. Correct. Okay. And then you just sign up for Worlds, wherever that is. Okay. So you do have to qualify for Worlds. You don't have to qualify for Nats. Right. Correct. Okay. Now, the only difference distance or excuse me, difference for Olympic distance is that you have to qualify for USAT Nats. Nats. Okay. Right. Basically, qualification path number one is you have to place first or in the top 15 of finishers in your age group at a USAT sanctioned event. Um, number two is a regional championship. So that's, they host some of these. And again, you can find those races at USAT.com. That's like the Mideast has a regional championship. And that's like, I don't know, even know what states are in the Mideast, but it's like Pennsylvania, um, North Carolina, Virginia, and New York are Mideast or whatever. And they have a, a regional championship that's hosted in Philadelphia. Anyways, those you have to place in the top 35% or top five finishers in your age group. Um, and that's only in the Olympic distance race at that regional championship. Another way is... Um, Placing in the top 10 or the top 33% at last year's age group national championships. And then number four is if you participate on Team USA the year prior or if you are an All-American. And I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that um, All-Americans also got, at least I in the past, I'm trying to think. I can't, I don't remember if it was because I was All-American or it was because I placed in the top 10 at USAT champs. But I got a uh, like a what are those like VIP passes? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got like a VIP registration, which is like kind of cool. I don't know the VIP stuff is kind of eh. Did you have to pay extra for it? I don't think so. No. Um, and then the fifth and final way is let's see, basically s- to score a race score equal to or greater than the score listed at the table of the bottom of this page. <laughs> so the only way you're going to know that is if you go to USAT's website. But like, for example, um, they give the example of in 2019, if your race age is 49 and you are a male and you participated in an off-road triathlon, you would need to earn a score of 99.635. So again, it's all based on like scores in a participant, which is based event. on like your finish place. Like you yeah. get a certain number of points allotted if you're first, second, third, and so on. Yeah. Um, I don't understand why there are so many ways to qualify. Yeah, it should be like the same. I think the way 70.3 and Ironman do it, which we'll get into in just a moment. Yeah. I think that's like ideal. It's okay. It's just time consuming. And like a lot of these local races, they, I don't know. They want you to qualify. I think it is also sort probably of. hard for them to get people to come. But to I, but I almost feel like the way that they qualify, it's like almost like the USAT sanctioned race gets the results from the race, right? And then I'm pretty sure they just send like raw results to USAT, 
And then I almost feel like there isn't a person on the other side looking at these results. If there is, kudos to USAT. But I almost feel like there isn't. I feel like it just sent to them and like a computer. Algorithm of some kind. Yeah, an algorithm just looks at it and it's like, okay, the first place person in every race, they get a slot. And then like it goes through and it's like a score of 101.635. And above, it's like those people get slots. Program. And then, um, like, whatever, top five at this race, they get a slot. Mm-hmm. It's, like, sort of weird. And then, like, obviously, Team USA and All-American, they just automatically send out emails to all those people. Like, top ten in last year's age group mass, and they just automatically send those. that The computer sends that email. I don't know. So I just feel like it'd be a lot of a lot of data crunching and the number of USAT sanctioned races there are every weekend during the summer. Listen, like- USAT, if you want a person to do it, I love Excel. I'm great at data. There you go. I could set up a couple of macros and this could be easy. Yeah, but I feel like they already have some sort of algorithm. Yeah, no, I I don't doubt that they do. But anyways, so, so then that's you, you'll get an email from USAT and then you can register for Olympic Nats. Um, I will, I don't know, I guess speaking from experience, it has not been very difficult to qualify for Olympic Nats. I think that a lot of the USAT sanctioned races, they're like honestly pretty small and to like to get in the top 15 or to score a certain score or to even like win your age group. There's been a lot of times where I'm the only participant in my age group. I mean, like, even the bigger age groups in Ironman, like the 35 to 39 age groups, they typically have, like, 100 participants. Some of these local races, they'll have, like, four people. So, like, it's very likely that, like, if you really want to go to Olympic Nats, I feel like you could – I think you could find a race that doesn't have a lot of participants that you could either beat out the other person or, like, finish it with, with a certain score or something. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to like knock anybody out there, but like I think qualifying for USAT Olympics is very, very doable. Olympic U- US, nationals. Sorry, yes, USAT Olympic nationals. I think it's very doable if you set your, your goals. And train for it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, the same thing applies at USAT Olympic Nats. It's like the top eighteen or twenty-four. Did you find that a specific number? What? Did you find that specific number? What specific number? The 18 or 24 to qualify for Team USA. No. Anyways, it's one of those numbers, and um, <laughs> Morgan's giving me a very sassy grin. No, no, I'm not. I just am. <laughs> I'm listening attentively. Well, wait. You look it up quick. And then it's like the roll, whole same exact roll-down system to then participate in ITU Worlds. All right. <laughs> How to become a Team USA eligible. Qualification process. First, you could be one through three on at Worlds. So you have to be on the podium at World Championships, and then you, you're Team USA for the following year. Okay. That's Next, really hard. Yeah, but I mean, that's how you, I mean, I feel like it'd be, it'd be difficult to be to podium at Worlds and not be any of these other pieces. Okay. I know. National but that's championship. also like annoying because it's the same thing with like 70.3 Worlds where it's like, there are slots up for grabs at 70.3 Worlds, but only the world champion gets the slot. It just seems weird to me. Anyways, continue. Anyway, um, then Nats. Okay. This is so confusing. I know. It is very confusing. Um, all right, rankings. Let's just skip to that. Any athlete who'd finished in the aged up age group top 20 
There you go. So it was like the average of 18 and 24. Okay. Um, in their age group, in the USAT year-end rankings will be considered for slots on the US, like on, what is it? Team USA? What is it? All-American? What are we talking about? Uh, Olympic distance stats. What are you talking about? Team USA, right? Yeah, Team USA. Okay. Like the world championship team. Starting with the highest rank athlete, having the first option to accept, followed by second, third, fourth, and so on, through 20th until we have reached the first two athletes who accept the slot or until we reach spot 20. Okay, so it That's is, what so their website 20. says. Yeah. Okay. That's literally all of the information. But then, but then it rolls down from there. Yeah, until slot 20, but they only have two slots apparently for the slot. I really do not understand their website at all. Huh. I'm frustrated that you made me game time research this. Would have loved to do it on a computer, Cameron. But that's the information <laughs> we have right now. <laughs> All right. So we'll just have a FTP correction in the next episode of regarding Olympic distance. Great. Qualification. All right. Thank you. Since Continue on a 70.3 world qualification. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by the first ever Boulderthon. The first half and full marathon taking place here in Boulder. That's like a flagship Boulder race. Yeah. Which is just so hype. Yeah. It's actually going to start at the res. Okay. Is my understanding. And they do like, so it's, my understanding is that it's replacing the Boulder Backroads race. Okay. Which was, I believe, also a half and full. Okay. Um, and that was, like, all around the res in, like, these dirt road areas. The dirt roads and trails and, like, the nice nice surfaces. Yeah. And now it's going to finish downtown Boulder, which is something we have always talked about. Yeah. Like it's going to be Iron awesome. Man, every race the here. Full and half Ironmans. We talked about, like, that they should finish on Pearl Street. Yeah. And, and this is going to do it. Yeah. It's going to be really exciting. Excited to see what the turnout's like with all the spectators and the crowds in the endurance community. You can use code TP20 to sign up. Save $20 for a limited time. Hope to see you there. So, 70.3 Worlds. Um, that one's, like, honestly way more simple to, to explain. But, uh... Basically, sign up for a 70.3 race, um, and then you basically, it depends on what age group, but basically they allocate slots. So say for a certain race, most of the smaller races have like between 30 and 40 slots, and some of the bigger races and regional championships and like national championships and stuff like that, they have more slots. So I've seen races that have like as much as like 80 slots. Right, and there's also like women for try slots too. But basically, every race is allocated a certain number of slots, um, and then upon the race, they'll look at the race start list, and they'll break up those slots based on how many participants are in each age group um, and each gender category. So, like for example, basically every every age group gets one automatic slot. So, like for us. Our age groups are super small, but we still get one automatic slot. Like Morgan, a couple of years ago when she got her first world slot, I think there were only four participants in her age group, right? Yes. Um, and then from there, like, so every age group gets a slot. I forget how many that takes up. I think it's like 16 slots, 16 to 20. And then the rest of the remaining slots are then, like, broken up by percentage so, like, say the bigger age groups, like male 35, 39, get, uh, like, two of the remaining slots, um, stuff like that. And um, 
but I think it's also broken up in half, right? Before 50-50, male and female. Yes. So. Or allegedly, because every time we go to a race, it feels like the men have so many more slots. Oh, yeah. I, but that I might agree. just be perception. I know, but it's just crazy. It's supposed to be like 50-50. Yes, yeah, yeah. so like men get 15 slots, female get 15 slots. But it sometimes seems like male, like 35-39, gets like five slots. And then the women, 35-39, gets like two slots and you're like wait what i don't know it doesn't seem like it always adds up but then basically it goes by roll down so it's basically if there's one slot in the age group and the first place person wants it that first place person can say yes i want the slot and this is all done at the award ceremony but they say yes i want the slot and then they get the slot so but say like there's two slots in the age group the first place person already has their slot or they don't want it they say no Second place says no, whatever. Third place says yes, they get a slot. And fourth place says yes, they get a slot. The It basically just rolls down. It just becomes really fun because at a certain point, say like the 35 to 39 male, especially later in the season, closer to the actual world championship events, like once the qualifying year is almost over, these a couple of, some of these races have like 80 slots. I mean, how many did Steelhead have? They had like 60 slots or something this last year right i don't know if it was i think it was 40 but i think what I, happened was chaos. so many people had left or already had their slots yeah. that like it rolled down to like anyone who finished yeah. the race in the 35 to 39 kim yeah. loves this so, so this is, much i know this is, i always just like going because it just you get to see people's like hopes and dreams get accomplished but it's like at one point if there's like six slots, they'll get through like number 10 of the list and they'll still have like five slots left. And then the announcer will just get tired and he'll just say, <laughs> anybody who finished in the 35 to 39 category, come on up, let's compare times. And it yeah. literally is a mad rush of like 20 grown men. They're always men too. Cause the women, this never happens to women. And yeah. that's why I'm like, I feel like they're there's not splitting it. I know it's weird, but cause there are always women who leave and wanted slots and didn't yeah. get them. But there are, I feel like are never men who leave and wanted slots and didn't get yeah, them. Yeah, So true. That actually anyway. is very true. Um, yeah. And then they go up and they compare times and it's like, whoever has the fastest times gets the remaining slots. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you basically register and give them your credit card. They're on site and you're registered for worlds. Whenever we are hoping to get a world slot, we have to budget the like $500 race registration fee into our trip budget for the world champ events. I don't know. They're always like, it's converted into local currency. I'm like, well, yeah, but you also are charging me a $40 fee to process it. But all you're doing is like the same thing PayPal could do. I'm not getting charged $40 to get a coffee. Like South Africa was so expensive and the South American Mm -hmm. currency, South African, sorry, South African currency was literally like half the value of a dollar. So I don't know why that race wasn't half off. (laughs) Iron Man is literally just pocketing this money. I know. It Their makes profit me so margin, angry. They're just paying off that like $5 PTO, million. PTO, you've got to buy them. Mm. <laughs> Make it equitable. Speaking of PTO, I literally asked on the Iron Man Now live stream. They have like a comment section that the announcers can see. And I literally was like, hey, what's the deal with the PTO acquiring Iron Man? They're not going to answer your question while they're live streaming. They answered a lot of people's other questions right around me. And they just totally ignored my question. Because they don't have the answer to your question. Oh, they have it. No, they don't. They do. They just don't want to announce it. No, Cam. No. Like, no. They're commentators. Controversy. 
stirring the pot. Cameron Hackett. Anyways, um, I guess that's 7.3 in a nutshell. So basically... You race, you race as hard as you can. There are a set number of slots. slots and either you get one if you're usually first or second place, you can you can expect to get one. Even oh. though I've seen like some people, in, especially in like 25 to 29 categories, who literally race and they finish like second overall mm-hmm. and they beat everybody else by like 15 minutes and the only other person that beat them is in their age group by like one minute and that person gets the slot and, and there's they, no and other. they don't get the slot and there's yeah. no other slot which is why <sighs> we've kind of been hit with that a couple of times yeah yeah but it's like it honestly makes me a little frustrated because then you'll have that person who doesn't get a slot yes. and finish second overall and then you'll have the 43rd male in the 40 to 44 category who finished the race in like not that fast and they're not going to do well at worlds or might not even go to worlds or might not even go to worlds the but they'll get the slot it's like i personally think that it should be top 10 in each age group okay roll down top 10 uh if you get to 10th place and no one wants it in that age group then it goes to a different age group or then it goes into a pot where you make sure the top 10 people at that race go get to world or maybe offered. like that should be the first is like the top 10 at the race get the top 10 slots if they want them but then that hurts and then it's allocated out but my problem with that is that it hurts the elderly folks who are like 60 up who can't race as fast and they deserve Listen. slots I think they deserve slots, but the, oh my so, gosh, I'm I'm feeling like like very mean. Oh, here we go. They deserve slots, but <laughs> dot dot dot. Maybe they don't deserve three slots. Like I, in a roll down scenario, maybe that should be rolled down to the twenty five to twenty nine where the top four were in the top ten. I mean that happens and like a fourth lot. place doesn't get it. Like that's my frustration. So the other thing with seventy point three qualification in Ironman world qualification is that if an age group doesn't take it say there are three finishers in the 65 to 69 female category and none of them want a slot and there's only one slot up for grabs that slot then rolls Mm -hmm. to a different female it has to stay within the same gender again that 50 50 split but it stays in the same gender and it goes to a different age group that has this next most population or whatever but they always want it how has that they literally Whoa! Literally, has that ever happened to us? I don't. That think there's so. been a 65 to 69 woman who didn't take this lot. I don't. I'm literally just. This is so emotionally raw for me because this literally has happened to me so many times. I almost didn't get a slot after at Indian Wells. At Indian Wells, what did I place? Fourth, uh, third. I think you were third. And it happened group? to me at Delaware. I placed fourth, and the girl who beat me by literally four seconds, two hours after I finished. Yeah. Got the slot. It drives me bonkers. It drives me, oh my gosh, up a wall. I'm like very emotional. I need to take a step back from the mic. But, like, <laughs> no, but it's like, it is frustrating. I think, I don't know. I think it needs to go to like 20. I think if nobody Dude, in the top. I'm top 10. I'm like team top 10. I think if nobody in the top 20 of that age group wants it, I don't know if it should, I don't know if it should roll down any further. I think that it should then roll to a different age group. Especially if somebody, I don't know. It's just so difficult because, like, 
I would I want the top ten overall finishers to mm-hmm. be able to get it, especially when there's like these twenty five to twenty nine year olds who like get second overall and beat the entire field by twenty minutes. Right. Or like say twenty five to twenty nine year old who gets third overall and also third in their age group, right? Yeah. Like twenty five to twenty nine, thirty to thirty four are like the most competitive age yeah, groups, right. you know? And if but you look at them it's frustrating because they don't have the depth. Like to, they, to get more slots. Right. Yeah, they have exactly. like the people who love triathlon and are, are very good. are very good at it, but they don't have like the person coming out to complete it on their bucket list who takes up fifty percent of that age yeah. group's population. We need we need the people who are old enough to be having a midlife crisis, old enough to also have enough money to like register for these races, invest in a bike. <laughs> yeah. We need the thickness. Yeah, right? but it, it doesn't exist in these in these younger age groups. Because we're just like, do we're I poor, have enough pennies we're to poor work together? And we work long hours. And <laughs> it's literally like only when the people. It it's literally <laughs> only the people who are really fast and like pour their entire life into the sport, basically. And they're really good and they win races, but like. Sometimes they get second and don't get a slot, which mm-hmm. is like, huh, that doesn't seem very right. Right. Okay. I'm glad we're on the I same agree, page there. I'm not like, trying to like knock old or young people because I am so stoked to see them out there and see them in worlds. Like right. when we go to worlds, there is always a highlight on the youngest racer and the oldest racer that's there. Right. And I love that so much, but right. I also think that like maybe there needs to be in uh What's the word I'm looking for? I'm not sure. Like not amendment, not overhaul, but like I don't know, amendment. metamorphosis <laughs> is okay. the word I'm going with of the process. I think there needs to be a limit on like the anyone who finished in this age group because we have five more slots, you know? Yeah. I think it needs to be like anyone who finished in the top 10 in this age group the come up and then like possibly if we still have slots at the end of doing that for every single age group right then we can be like anyone who finished let's look at your times you know but yeah i i agree off I mean, my soapbox i'm done i don't know i don't know what the right system is it's just it is frustrating when the really fast people don't go to slot and then you have like somebody who's but again it is like nice for them because they might not ever get to go to worlds ever again and the person who's really fast will likely have other opportunities to make it to worlds yeah, but then we have to pay another four hundred and fifty dollars to, to register for, for another, another race. race. Yeah, like what we had to do with Indian Wells. Yeah, and that's we what even, is frustrating. We don't. We have that. That's <laughs> a bigger chunk out of our yearly salary than that person who's making six figures. But it's fine. Everything's great. Yeah, <laughs> you know, America and I don't know capitalism. Anyways, Iron Man is very much the same mm-hmm. to seventy point three. It's basically. I don't really have any amendments really except for the fact that it seems to be more competitive. There are a lot less slots overall to go to Kona um, because the pier that they have transition in, in Kona, it can only hold so many bikes. I think it's like a little over 1700. Um, So there aren't as many slots. And they don't split the days. And they don't split the days. 70.3 world splits the male and and female female. days, which I think allows them to, ask a lot more, more people. people to come yeah that's true there are a lot more 7.3 races around the world too and there aren't as many full distance iron man races now i think there aren't as many iron man participants either mm-hmm. so i don't know what the participant like the qualifier to participation ratio is for each but i would still assume that 
the, that percentage is probably higher. It's probably like 3% of participants, 7.3 qualify for worlds. Whereas like at Kona, it's only 2% of participants qualify for worlds who participate. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I don't know if that math checks out. But it's exactly the same roll down slot roll down allocation slot. process. Yeah. It's just, I just feel like it's way more competitive. Those slots, I don't think they roll down like literally at all. At all. Really, I know. Kona is like the dream for anyone. And if your name ever gets called, you're probably going to take it no matter what. Yeah. I feel like if you're competing in a full distance race which just takes so much out of your body. Yeah. You've like, you have got a hope that you qualify. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. It's pretty cool though. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the dream too for us on a I'm side note. Think. Oh, another way. Um, Is to buy a Ventum bike. Yeah. So <laughs> no, but seriously. So other ways to qualify for world champs for Kona. I think you can, they I always have these weird things worlds too. where it's like, there's like these promotions where like you can bid. So if you're super rich, you can like bid to win a slot. It's like 30 grand. But also the there's Foundation. like a donation thing too, where I think it's like you can donate any amount. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I don't and think there's, there's also a- like buy a brand new Ventum bike and you get a free entry into Kona. And it's like, huh. <laughs> I feel like if I were at Kona, every time I pass one of those bikes, I'd be like, oh, like I'd say something sassy. It's like, it's kind of frustrating. It just very clearly shows that Iron Man is super for profit. Like, oh, not even yeah. just a little bit for profit. They're like, like in your face. <laughs> like, I don't care about hard work. You can buy your way. Like, literally pay to win. Pay to play. No, pay. To, they're literally pay to win though. In order to get to Kona, they just, you can just buy your way if you have enough money. I guess. Like, even if you had a nice bike, you could just buy a Ventum and give it to your best friend. Seriously, and you could go get to go race Kona. I don't know. Buy that seems kind of messed up. Buy a and then sell it on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> For, oh, there's something. We're just going to have a little quick side note. There are so many people who, no, 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 who sell their bikes oh. of like, I, I don't know. They're like, like race two years one old. race. They're like race one race on this $7,000 bike. <laughs> and it has carbon wheels. It's carbon wheels. And I'm going to sell it for the exact same price that I bought it for. And it's like, Oh, we're talking about two totally different people. You talk about yours. So you're oh. talking about people who have been like, I've had this bike for two years. It's helped me like win my age group one time. Like love it here buy it for ten thousand five hundred dollars like i bought it's it for, as new yeah and i bought it for eleven thousand dollars and it's like no like you have to cut that in half i paid yeah. five hundred dollars for my first bike like yeah it, it doesn't make any sense it's like that bike isn't new so so i'm not, I'm not gonna new buy price new on, on craigslist i'm talking about a very different breed of people which brand of people about? which is someone who's like Bought this bike for my first and only seventy point three race. Oh yeah. Um, buy it, and it's just like, wh- how do you have that much money? I know there are a lot of people to out just there. like buy a bike with carbon wheels, and then just resell it. Buy it for one race and resell it. I know it's like you could just buy a road bike, which you would use like for longer than just one race. If mm-hmm. you're just going out there to like race a a race, I don't know why you wouldn't buy. My recommendation is buy a road bike oh my gosh or borrow one yeah i mean like if you're getting into triathlon you probably know a triathlete yeah or somebody who has a road bike or something i my first triathlon i literally rode a 1970 schwinn we talked about that episode one i know it was literally steel frame like i was just doing it to see if i liked the sport like i i definitely did not try and like i obviously tried to go out there and win but i didn't expect anything yeah but I mean, I'm not suggesting like go out there with like a fat tire bike. I'm suggesting oh, I mean, just I like find a 
cheap or used. But I even think if you have a mountain bike, bike and you want to do a, a road triathlon, I think you could, that's totally acceptable. To a point. Like, I don't think you could complete a 70.3 road on a mountain bike or yeah, should. I don't think you should. I guess you could. You could. <laughs> people have made it a point to try and, like, do Kona on a mountain bike. That's not very smart, but people have done it. That's to make a point. But I'm saying, like, yeah. if you have a bike or you know someone has a bike, I would suggest doing that for your first triathlon. If you're only planning on racing one triathlon. I know. And Uh, yeah, unless you have just an obscene amount of money, um, I would not suggest buying a $7,000 bike to race one race. And then if you're, if you're going to do that, in my opinion, try and rent a bike. There are plenty of bike shops, bike shops or some like, or even like, doesn't Ironman have like the rent a bike places that they sponsor? Like in Puerto Rico, you can like, they have like the rental wheels or the. Uh, I don't know if they like, rent a bike. I'm pretty sure they do. You can like rent a bike. Huh. I'm pretty sure. And there's different pro- like tiers. Like you get a Ventum like with E tap shifting, or you can get like a, like a I don't know like a Speed Concept with mechanical shifting. Like, right. There's very they're differing tiers, but if you're gonna do that, I think I don't know. I would suggest either renting it for just race day. Or just using a road bike because, I don't know, I don't get that either. It's just crazy. I mean, I don't. we don't have access to that kind of, that lifestyle mm-hmm. where you could make that kind of purchase on a whim. Yeah. I just don't, I can't imagine. What's, what other way? There's an, uh, the, another way you can qualify for Ironman World events, at, at least on the 70.3 side, is there's women for try events. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's those are extra added slots. We've mentioned this before, um, but there's women for try slots, which are basically just now just regular slots. Yes, that thank get added, goodness. They get added at the end of the roll down, and they say, "Okay, that's the normal slots. Now, time for the additional slots for women for try. There are 25 additional slots at this event, and then those are just female only. And they're are they one per age group still? They roll down the same way, or they're allocated the same way, I believe. But are but they're one per, and then they break down into into um, participation. I think so. I yeah, think you're right. yeah, one per age group automatically on the female side, and then they broken they break them down again by participation on the start list, and then from there they roll down the exact same way as normal slots. Um, I think I think that's all I have to say about the Ironman ones. Do you have anything else to say about qualifying there? Nope. I don't think so. Kona obviously stays in Kona. Setting point three worlds has now started rotating around the globe. It used to take place in either Vegas or Florida for like a matter of like Whoa. five years or decades. Glad it rotates. I know. Vegas would have been really not I don't know. convenient. Convenient, but it would have been kind of dull. Anyways, the only one I have to comment on is Xterra World Championships, which takes place in Maui. Um, it sort of, it sort of, um, I would say for the majority, it qualifies very similarly to Ironman events. Basically there is a qualifying series, which are like those championship series races that I mentioned in the last episode. It's like the big ones. I uh, like, uh, like what Paige is doing. The one at Beaver Creek is a championship event, but there's another local one here in Nederland. And mm-hmm. that's like just a ex terror race. Like I think they call it like a, a regional Okay. A regional tour. Um, so at these championship events, that's the one that I think I would assume most people qualify through. Um, basically, they're broken up into gold events and silver events. Gold events, they're marked on. Excuse me, they're marked on the calendar on the uh, Xterra's website. 
But um, gold events have 51 slots. They're broken up 29 male and 22 female, which kind of seems kind of weird to me. Um, and then there's also... I'm just tired of it, man. I know. I, just split it up It 50, is International 50. Women's Day. Today, as we record. As we record. Yeah, I agree. I think it should just be split 50-50. But um, there's 51 slots, and they're broken up again by age group, and they actually have a pre-allocated list already here. So, like... It's not even broken up by participation on the start list the day of. It's, like, already established before like the race. what age groups are getting yeah, like, slots? Yeah, like, I can tell you right now, 35 to 39 in Gold Series events for male get three slots, regardless. Which is kind of, I don't know, I think it's kind of cool. But, I don't know. Um, and then Silver events, those events get 26 slots. Um, but they're broken up the same sort of way. They are pre-allocated um, slots male and female and then there's also a, another way to qualify which i think is kind of i don't know it's kind of interesting but it's basically the, in those regional tours those smaller ones so there's like the um the exterra american tour the european tour and the asia pacific tour um basically it they're all ranked in sort of like this points ranking system and i think you get a you get three races that you can like use towards that total ranking is basically the top person in that ranking in every age group gets a slot for worlds but it just seems kind of i don't know it seems almost more risky to do it that way because you got to race i would assume if i were going out for racing that way i would try and race three slots to maximize or three races to maximize the points that i have to then like guarantee that slot that i get and you kind of have to choose because you can you can't qualify for worlds through slot roll down at regional races and you can't get those points at gold and silver right. races. Right. So you'd have to choose your path. Yeah. Unless you just raced at a lot of X-Terror race. Like that's all you did. Which is possible. I mean, yeah. when you think you about it. You just did like a couple, you did like a championship race. And then like see if you three got it, or and then four like three regional. regional ones to see if you can get it that way too. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible. Interesting. But yeah. I've never done an X-Terror race. So that's all I know it's about that. It's on the bucket list. You need yeah, a mountain bike. I need first. a mountain bike. So uh, track if you're out there. <laughs> Hook me up with a super caliber. This is the second time we've called Waterloo out. Yeah. <laughs> In as many episodes. Hey, you never know. Um, but yeah. All right. I think that's about it. We will again correct ourselves with the uh, Olympic qualifications for Team USA as needed. <laughs> As needed. We did look at the website. To, yeah, I need to do more research. I guess I believe off the top of my head, but I haven't raced at Olympic distance or competed at Worlds for Olympic mm-hmm. since Cozumel, right? That was twenty. That was almost four years ago now. You're an old man. I am. A, I've aged up into a different <laughs> age category, and my memory is gone. That's probably why. It's because I'm in a new age group. Uh, it's because I just forget everything about the previous one. My what? memory goes, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just talking now. <laughs> All right. Well, um, this episode will air on Thursday, the Thursday after Puerto Rico. Thursday after Puerto Rico. Yes. That's why I tried to correct you earlier on about the oh. ordering. Okay. Um, there we go. But we'll also have a pre or a post race. Yeah. We'll do a post race like pod feature race app. report. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that this week. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. See you next time.